You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before its last call. He's the youngest American chef to receive a Michelin star and in the same year won the next Iron Chef. Mark Forgione has blazed his own culinary trail. Mark Forgione's here. I've hung out with Mark many times at Forge Restaurant. Many people in the podcast heard me say how much I love Mark's restaurant and his brilliance and his creativity. Psyched to sit here and be able to talk about tapping into that. Uh, we could never do an interview, <laughs> as you just said, about not talking about your dad, Larry Forgione, is one of the pillars of American cuisine, uh, known as the godfather of American cuisine, and really uh, uh, started uh, Americans on their journey uh, to just having a, an open mind uh, as far as uh, culinary stuff is, um, uh, goes. Uh, he was one of the first people to put the name of the farm or the heirloom tomato or and put it out and let people know who they are in respect to them because he realized it's all about just the ingredients. Right? Yeah, I mean, try, try to imagine, too. There, there wasn't even a farmer's market. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Um, and and back, to, back to his nickname, you know, it's kind of funny... Um, you know, now even in my family, we we call him the, the Godfather. Right. <laughs> so like when he walks in the room, we're like oh, the Godfather's here. Everybody sit up straight. And how cool is that? You got a kid now. Congratulations, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's the best. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he loves it. Uh, you know, obviously my mother. I mean, everybody loves it. Mm. it. It's it's the best. I got him to move back to New York oh, because of it. That's so. that's so incredible, man. Uh, yeah. It's nothing nothing like family. So. Uh, 16 years old, you start working in your dad's kitchen. Um, uh, the pressure of that is uh, you know, the familial. Uh, you have two brothers. Yeah, you know, it's funny. It, 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 it's almost the exact opposite. It, there, was, there was no pressure because oh. I had no idea who Larry Forgione or an American place really was at the time. I, I was just like a teenage kid who was going to dad's Right. job to, right. to work because I asked him for some money. <laughs> like, that's all it was. Yeah. And your dad said, well, I'll give you some money, but you have to cut some onions. And you yeah. Gotta, gotta, yeah. You want some money? Sure. But you got to work. work like, you know, because at the, the time, I yeah. think my chores <clears throat> were making me like $5 a week. So mm-hmm. that, that just wasn't cutting it, cutting it when I got to be 16 or 17. So I was like, all right, well, you know, how do I get money? He's like, well, you got to get a job. I was like, well, you know, when we're going to get a job, like, right. you know, he's like, well, why don't you come in and uh, work, literally work in the kitchen? And I was like, sure. Okay. But it wasn't like this, um, you know, I, I want you to come to your birthright and, you know, we're going we're right. to train you to be the greatest uh, chef of right. all time. Right. <laughs> yeah. like, tr- trust me, it was the exact opposite. It was more like, you know, he, he brought me into work in the car and like gave me to like I think my first like station was either you know pastry or garmage and right. he literally was just like hey can you you know just do something with this kid what's crazy is <laughs> don't let him talk back I think it was like the last thing he said right so an American place is, is hallowed ground it is one of those restaurants where anybody who was everybody from Jackie O to Tip O'Neill to the uh, Michael Caine, every actor came to uh, eat at American Place. And you'd be surprised how many people work there too. Really, I mean, yeah, like, it's like crazy. Who, um, who walked through the doors? Or uh, Andrew Zimmern is always one of my favorite oh, ones. Wow. Okay. He, he loves telling the story about how he got fired. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, uh, drunk stoned or something. But all right, <laughs> no comments. Okay. Um, uh, Melissa Kelly, obviously, who's mm-hmm. now turned into you know one of the greatest uh, chefs, never mind female chefs, mm-hmm. you know, sure. in, in the country. Um, Alex Guarnicelli, um worked there. Oh wow! Um, uh, Matthew Weingarten, the guy who started Dig In, oh, uh, he was actually there the same time I was there. Wow! Uh, and and your dad had this amazing friendship with James Beard, and everyone knows James Beard yeah. is in the colony. Yeah, I mean another kind of up, right? funny kind of family tidbit. Mm-hmm. Um, when my younger brother Brian first met James Beard, um, you know, he was probably like four, whatever. He was a kid. Right. <clears throat> and he walked into what's now the James Beard house. Right. And um, <laughs> he like tugged on my dad's pants and he was like, you know, the, the, he looks like Yoda. 
<laughs> so, so Jim Beard's nickname in our house became Grandpa Yoda. Grandpa Yoda. <laughs> it's so funny. I was just on YouTube. I was looking at old videos of your dad making a seafood terrine. Oh, yeah. Um, I've made that. I made that. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's just so beautiful to watch. There's yeah. something crazy about cooking shows. I find them hypnotic. Yeah, especially I, the old school ones. Yeah. Because like, they don't... They're, can, I, can I say shit? Yeah, of course. So yeah. on the old school ones, they don't give a shit about entertaining. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's... This is how you make the the terrine, and yeah. this is how you make the mousseline, and this is how you smoke the fish, and the, like they don't, they, they're not trying to make you laugh. They're not trying to get more Twitter followers or <laughs> right. get more people on Instagram or go right. viral. Yeah. They are literally showing you their craft and how to make right. you know what they do. But you know? um, I always say this: I had a live show for a while where it was, it was a storytelling platform. And one of the rules I always told anybody who was part of it, I said, look, here's the deal. No jokes, no bullshit. Get up and tell a true story. And I say that because people have a bullshit meter. Mm-hmm. And they, when they see truth, they recognize it. On a cellular level, they recognize it. And I think what we're talking about is when you watch those videos, it's exactly that. I'm just showing you how to do something. Yep. It's like wa- it's watching a craftsman at work. And you're like, oh, I can do this. I I, I I just fucking loved it. Yeah, right? and and back then yeah. it wasn't for entertainment. It, it was like it was a, I don't know how you say it. It, it was like a backstage pass to see how a master does something. You right. know what I mean? It, it wasn't just to to watch TV or you know the the original master class, right? I yeah. mean Julia Child, Jacques Pepin. Um, you know, it just is amazing. But yeah. the pacing of the those shows too are kind of. Because it's hypnotic, you just you just can't take 100%. your eyes off, and I don't know why. Listen, right. in, in college when yeah. I was under the influence of mm. you know some things, mm. like Julia Childs was one of the best things to watch. Right, <laughs> <laughs> and then it was hungry as hell. Exactly, uh, like, yeah, and I then you know. ordered a, a calzone from somewhere. Right, else. exactly, or, or like someone's going like, <laughs> you know, we could take the Doritos and crunch them up and put them on top of like Rice Krispie treats. Uh, you have no idea. I was the right. master of that. By the time I got to college, I had a couple of years under my belt. Right. So oh, it was yeah. literally okay. Let's open the cabinets. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, we got black beans. We've got Doritos. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, we've got maple syrup and English muffins. Right. Like, and how much money do we have? We got $3.67. All right. We can make this work. And like that would be dinner. Dude, and it the, would be delicious. I have the greatest idea for a cooking show. <laughs> we'll call it Stoner Kitchen. That's what I did for right? four years of college. Exactly. That's all you do is you go into like People used to come to my room like, so that I could make their ramen because I had like condiments in my in my room you had that little bang bang sauce on the side right that you that, something like right. it yeah, something yeah. like it that's fucking awesome uh so tell me so from 16 years old uh somebody inspired you to go to france so uh what what happens in france for you is that where do you fall in love and you go you know what this is really what i need to do this is what i want to do and yeah. it's not genetic imprinting i love this show. so you know as i just said like i think when i first started working in the business it was to make money, and I'm not going to lie, like I was, I was bit pretty quickly by how much I enjoyed this. Like, you know, like I think Anthony Bourdain said it best. Like when when you read Kitchen Confidential, like there's, sure. it's just almost like this, like this, like pirate shipy kind of, you know, like thing that you get into, and it's like you work so hard, and like you know, you, you're hot, and it's it's dangerous, and it's you know, and you know, you, you go out for a drink after, and you're back there early, and everybody's oh. tired, but... You're in the trenches together. It's yeah, fucking warfare. Yes, it, it is. It and, is warfare. And, and it's like, you know, you, you look at each other, and then and, and, and you give that look, like, I got this, and then oh. we're going to make this. And, like, at the end, you know, there's all that adrenaline. and then, So, like, I was, I think I was bit by that right away. Right. I wouldn't go so far as to say as, like, I it was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be a chef, you know, right. when I was 19 years old, like, you right. know, some people, but... Um, you know, I, I actually went to college to try to find out if there was something else for me. I didn't mm. know what it would be, but I, I felt like I at least had to give it like that try. Right. Was there anything close? <sighs> no, man. I ended up cooking for fun. I was just right. telling you. Like yeah. I used to, people, you know, like people used to come to my house, like give me five bucks and I'd make them dinner. Like right. <laughs> it was like, that's, that's, yeah, literally like I, I just was like, and then that was when I had, I think my first aha moment mm-hmm. to answer your question mm-hmm. was. I was like, dude, I got to go to fucking psych class tomorrow at 9 a.m., but here I have 
six people in my living room waiting for me to cook right. them dinner, right. and I'm like, you know, like smoking a joint, like, right. like drinking a glass of wine, right. like yeah. singing, and I'm like, and like this is what I enjoy doing. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, well, duh. I don't need to go any further than this, right? <laughs> what I love is I love about it. So like you've we'll, we'll tap on that shit later, but you got the Iron Chef, and now you're kind of you're a celebrated chef and really well known and a real chef. You're in the kitchen cooking. Uh, I love the fact that there's some guy sitting at the end of a bar stool talking for Gio and Stewart's like, I remember when that motherfucker, <laughs> <laughs> motherfucker used to take ramen noodles, yeah, it's true. ketchip and sriracha. Yeah. <laughs> it's true, though. Right? They, they're awesome. like, used to I'm still friends with some of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. But so, what? Yeah. I, you know, I graduated college, but then, um, you know, I, I, I've told this story a hundred times. Mm. Like, I after college that summer, and I worked in the restaurants every summer in between college, too. Mm. So... You know, by the time I was 19, or tw- sorry, I graduated when I was 21. So by the time I graduated 21, I had had give or take three or four years of, if you add it up, you know, like experience mm-hmm. at one of the best restaurants in the country. Right. So then I traveled Europe out right out of college, like did the whole backpacking thing, like left in June, came back in September. Specifically to cook or just, no, no just to go? Travel opposite, the world. Party. Okay, Literally party, party yeah, yeah. explore, sure. experience, mm-hmm. you know. By the way, did you ever hang out with Bourdain? I, I never got no. the chance. Oh. was always such a big fan of his. Oh. Um, and I know this is going to sound cheesy and cheeky and fake, but oh. I swear to God this is the truth. Mm-hmm. I was planning on writing him a letter, and I started to think about it. I give or take about a month before he passed away. Right. So <clears> it is what it is. Um, like inviting him to come in and saying, hey, man, I've been such a fan. So He'd be fucking um, blown away by the food. I will say that, man. You, thank you, you. you. You put it on the plate. I think uh, he would have liked it, knowing his like style or whatever. Also, the, well, we're going to talk about your menu a little bit. But uh, So you're in Paris, and you, or you're traveling through so Europe. So I'm traveling, and, and, and literally, but I didn't have, I mean, I had like a, a, a multiple food moments, mm-hmm. uh, a lot in Italy in particular. Um you know, and they weren't really fancy restaurants because we couldn't afford to eat at fancy restaurants. It was more like countryside houses and meeting families and like tasting somebody literally just slice an eggplant and put olive oil that they made on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And like nothing else. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Um, so th- those moments, you know, changed me to this day. Right. Um, but when I got back from that trip, you know, again, man, I'll never forget it. It was August 21st, it was my grandfather's birthday. And I got back the day before, August 20th. Didn't even unpack my bags. Like, woke up the next day, went to my grandfather's birthday. My dad at my grandfather's birthday party was like, you know, one of our cooks or sous chefs just quit. Like, we need a hand. <laughs> and I literally just went to work the next day after this two-month right. trip. Right. And, you know, it probably took me two weeks to unpack my bag because I just, I never stopped working. And that was 2001. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, then at that point, I literally worked, work, haven't stopped working. I mean, right. this is, we're 2000, about to be 2020. This is what I like about um, your story. Uh, is your, your father is this, like, statesman of, of, of cuisine. And you, uh, as long as I've known you, uh, working for Laurent Turandel, you were always in the kitchen. You always worked your ass off. Love it. Love um, it. And anyone that I know in the food world has... Mark's a badass. Uh, he is. Uh, nobody works harder, and uh, you had a lot to prove, right? Uh, well, I, I, is that part of the well, the yoke of having that name? Is I was just about to say yeah. so, because you asked about France. Mm-hmm. So, so I started working, and I was you know working, mm-hmm. and you know I think I worked in my dad's restaurant for probably a year at that point. But again, going back to what I said before, there were already a couple of years under my belt, so. You know, at that point, you know, you meet people, you know, when you're out having a drink after work and like people that work at other restaurants and like, and then I had, you know, one of one of my friends who I worked with at my dad's restaurant who was working somewhere else with, um, you remember Patricia, Patricia Yeo? Patricia Yeo, sure. Absolutely. Uh, it was the old flower space, wasn't it? Uh, AZ. AZ, and, yes. Yeah. That was the old flower space. So yeah. one of the guys that I was great friends with, his name's Gavin, um, he um, was a big part of my training when I was doing the summer jobs he was now working for her and like we were out for a drink and he's like you should you know we should come you know we need some help da, da, da. so so I left my dad to go to AZ and you know that was when to answer or to touch upon what you just talked about like you know like holy shit like you know you know you're Larry Foggione's son and like some people think that that was like a <laughs> An easy pass. Yeah. Trust me when I tell you, 
I mean, it turned into like, you know, if I messed something up, like, oh, was that how your father would show you? Or like, yeah. you know, I'd have some hotshot cook standing next to me, like, a, well, that's how you, you know, got like, the job, oh, for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, right. it just turned into like, like whatever. So whether I liked it or not, right. like I had to, you know, I had the spotlight on me, mm-hmm. whether it was from the sous chef or from, you know, the guy next to me or from the thing. I mean, like it didn't matter, you know, it, right. it was just, you know, that was also like the, you know, the, the late 2000s, like my, my dad's career was like peaking in the early 90s, like mid, yeah. mid 90s. So like, you know, everybody knew his name and his thing. And then, so it's like, you know, my nickname would become like, you know, the son of Larry or... You know, you know it's just and again I'm, I'm not complaining no. I think what ended up happening was it turned me into a better guy because there was no like taking a quote unquote day off or like maybe like slowing down for a little bit or yeah. relaxing because trust me I mean it was like it was non-stop and then you know I, I left Patricia and um, you know went to went to BLT and um, you know I had such a crazy experience with Laurent where so Laurent took over AZ and then it was closed for I don't remember we'll call it three months right so it was myself and Laurent Torndell basically in a kitchen of a restaurant that wasn't open yet for a couple months wow (laughs) one-on-one yeah and he had his own restaurant. The was it Laurent's? Cello, 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 cello right? Cello. And that was—I mean, he was—he's he, a serious People chef. People still talk. Oh, yeah, he's serious chef. He and got rave reviews. He is no—I right. mean, yeah. trust me, I tell you, he's, he's no joke. Yeah, you know, to to get to spend this time with him, and I had never really spent that much one-on-one time with with somebody from France. Mm-hmm. You know, I had worked with um, a Japanese um, Kazuto fan and his wife Vicky. I'd worked, obviously, for my father and his crew, which is American, and then, you know, Patricia Yeo, um, uh, you know, which was the the Chinese, and, um, you know, obviously, I grew up kind of Italian, so, like, you know, I, I had, like, that kind of stuff under my belt, or at least, like, I was familiar, but then all of a sudden, I meet Laurent, right. and it wasn't just, it wasn't just the, the recipes, it was the way he cooked and his attitude towards exploring something or mm. experimenting or you know he would taste something and he would go I'd like watch him look up and he'd go okay no 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 what we need to do is we need to reduce by we need to reduce it by half add more cream take away the butter and uh, not parsley tarragon it needs mm. tarragon like it, huh. it was just it was crazy watching like this process go on in this guy's head like yeah. I've, I've you know, I've been around a lot of chefs. He's one of the best palates I've ever seen in my life. That's pretty cool. But this was just like a cool thing. It was, and again, it was it was it wasn't an operating restaurant. It was like we'd right. get there at like nine in the morning, we'd leave at like five or six, and we would just cook all day. And wow. you know, he would like look at me and he'd be like, "How do uh, Americans like uh, barbecue sauce?" <laughs> and like I'd be like, "You want me right. to show you how to make barbecue sauce?" Right. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Like let's let, let's do that. Right. You know. Whatever. Um, Those restaurants it, were great. I ate a The lot opening of BLT, BLT the original cool. BLT steak. Yeah. And like, you know, people like, I don't know, again, we're going back to 2004-ish, yeah. somewhere around there. No, probably before then. I don't remember. Oh. But it was in the early 2000s. <laughs> That's when you're getting old, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's a sign but, you have a kid, actually. Yes, yes. But right. that restaurant was, like that opening it was intense and sexy and yeah. everybody came and I mean it, it, it was like I uh, ate there I was, quite a bit yeah, I love those fucking so, popovers yeah the popovers holy really. shit yeah. I mean I if yeah. we do another podcast I'll tell you the whole popover story but right. I mean it was just it was just such a cool thing I mean right. everybody like you know like opening week you had like Alain Ducasse and Danielle Belloud and you know Eric Rapier and like everybody was coming in to right. like you know because everybody loved Laurent I mean cello was like right. this thing but it was my first experience with France and it French and it like kind of opened my eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, then, I, you know, I, I kind of like came home and I said to my dad, like, you know, I think I want to go to France. And he was like, you know, that's great. You know, like, why don't you, you know, write down a couple names, do some research. And, you know, again, I hate to sound fucking old, but this was like, I, you know, I don't think I Googled it. I think I literally looked through like cookbooks that you're at that the library. <laughs> Excuse me, ma'am. <laughs> No, literally, right, I'm yeah. not joking. I think I like right. got magazines and right. like looked at stuff and like, right. um, 
And there was an article, again, I'm not making this up, it was in Food and Wine magazine. It was like a three, four page spread on uh, Michelle Girard. Okay. And it just looked like heaven. Like, you know, it was like in the middle of nowhere, just, you know, they, they were, you know, the animals and the food, and like, it just was like, oh my God, that's great. So I come back to my dad, my dad's like, you're joking me, right? And I'm like, why? Like, you told me to pick some places, this, this sounds like a place. So it turns out, coincidentally, I had no idea, but my father worked for Michel Gerard. Wow. Um, Michel Gerard had a restaurant here called Regine's in like the 70s. Right. Blah, 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 blah. And wow, like, that's a crazy <laughs> synchronicity. That's crazy. It's yeah. beyond crazy. Right. So he writes the letter. The letter comes back, and it's like, we don't normally take Americans. I don't know if I'm going to get people in trouble here, but yeah, yeah, we like, don't normally take yeah. Americans. You know, it's kind of, you, know, you have to have papers, da, 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 but, but we'll do it. So I go to, to Eugenie, and, you know, some people are like, oh, you worked in Paris. I'm like, it's the south, isn't it? It's the south, southwest, and south, okay, yeah. it, it was, I'm not joking, there's a sign that says yeah. total population was 436 people. <laughs> and then someone goes, like, an eraser. Yeah, it was written on the board in, like, a chalk. And so, and I'm sure somebody did it as a joke. I don't right. know. But yeah, yeah. But I get dropped off. I'll never forget this guy's name, Monsieur Mutz. And he drops me off. And he's like, uh, you know, is there anything else I can get you? And I'm like, well, where's town? And he's like, you just drove through it. And I'm like, what? I'm not exaggerating. Right. It was 200 yards. Right. I mean, it was like a tobacco, yeah. uh, a laundromat, one little bistro. With a foosball table uh, in a, it. a pharmacy right. and yeah. uh, a, boulang- right. a boulangerie. A boulangerie. That was That's it. it. Yeah. And then you know they had three star Michelin restaurant that was in this town, and like there was nothing. Yeah. Everybody came in. Right. Yeah. But that was where I had. This is a long answer, but that no, was, was where yeah. that yeah. was where I had. It was probably six months in because the first three months, all I wanted to do was die. Sure. I've never gone through anything harder in my entire life. I people, live, people don't ex- understand, like, I still uh, use the term, but around my people who are in the business, like, it's an old school French kitchen, or it's a French house. Meaning that if you are uh, saw them on the floor, if you're in the kitchen worse, um, it's expected. You're working 12, 16 hours a day. The difference between the front of the house, back of the house, back of the house, it's 110, 125 yeah. degrees because you're over a range. Yeah. That I didn't mind. No? It wasn't the work. No? It was, I didn't speak French. And they were not one of those kitchens where they would yeah. speak English to you just because you didn't speak French. So I was making mistakes every 10 minutes right. because I didn't understand what they wanted. Right. And it was, it was tearing me apart because I knew I could do what they wanted me to do. I just, right. they, they, I couldn't like, you know, and it could be something as simple as, Go to the walk-in right, and get some butter. Get me fucking butter, right? right? And I would come back yeah. with celery, like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's probably good you didn't understand how French the curse words they were um, calling but, you. Fuck but that. do you understand what I mean? Like that yeah, was the sure. hardest part. And yeah, like yeah. I, I didn't have a conversation with a human being for wow. three months, and like it it's was hard. just yeah, it was crazy. But once I learned French, it turned into sure. the best experience of my entire life. I would say there's nothing more humbling than dropping yourself in a foreign country oh, and not speaking the language. I, I mean, you, because exactly what you said, you can't speak to somebody. So everything is your internal monologue that drives your activity. And you're in this country. I just had to watch. I've got to figure it out. And it's exhausting. Yep. Right? And uh, I would come home and I would read the dictionary every right, night and I would right. write. I was teaching myself French. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden, it, it, you know, it's like right out of the movies or like whatever. It was just like all of a sudden it was like the sun came out. And I was like, right. all, yeah, I just responded in like my first French sentence to somebody. And it was like... Yeah. Ooh, shit. <laughs> um, but there was a moment sitting in my room that I had no TV, no internet, no, like, nothing. I mean, trust fucking me, I'm not, monk, I'm not, ma- I'm not making this up. You're a fucking monk. It literally was like right. becoming a yeah, monk. Yeah, yeah. Um, and on top of it, like you just said, working 16 hour days, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, but there was a moment, you know, I was sitting writing in my book with, like, my the doors, shutters open. The shutters yeah. open, yeah. and it was a beautiful day. And I was like writing down ideas for like, not just dishes. All of a sudden, I found myself writing down ideas for a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was still young at that time. I was like 24, 25. But I was like, not only do I want to be a chef, like I want to 
Like right. I, I want to do this. Like, I just got goosebumps. That's, I was, that's I was like, I want to, cool. I want to do this. Yeah. Like not just do it, but like I want to. And it had nothing to do with making my father proud. It had nothing to do with yeah, no, carrying good. on the name at the time. It was more. Okay. I want to be a chef. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So then you come back to the states after getting your ass kicked for quite a while, <laughs> and then I basically just got my ass kicked for like a couple of years. <laughs> I, I took the job as the, the my first executive chef, which I'll be honest, I wasn't ready for at um, BLT Prime. And I opened BLT Prime as the chef de cuisine. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I trial by fire. I mean, sure. Laurent, Laurent loved me and I don't blame him for giving me the job, but he gave me the job. And you know what? Like we figured it out and like BLT Prime had great reviews and like we did great, but looking back on it, like I was like way out of my. Isn't that the best way you learn? How yeah. Did you, how did you yeah. learn French? You were in the deep end. No, yeah, yeah, you were in of the course. deep end with a uh, of course. anchor. You were hugging an anchor and you were drowning, but you didn't drown, yeah. right? I guess so. now that I'm thinking about it, every the next four stories I'm about to tell are about being yeah. in the deep end. You know, like yeah. I did that with Laurent, and then all of a sudden he's like, "I want you to be my corporate chef," and I was like, "I don't know what a fucking corporate chef is," right. you know. And then like now here I am, like going to different restaurants and like you know like. And like you said, I just didn't drown. Yeah. Um, so, so you know what, what's? Um, uh, I think we really. I met you uh, in BLT because uh, Fred Dex was the uh, wine director, and I was good friends with him. And he's been on the show, and uh, uh, he's an MS. And I was. Uh, uh, we've met a bunch of times, and I always got an incredible vibe. Uh, and and you, and anyone I know that knows you, like I said pr- prior, accolades like this guy is the fucking hardest guy in the business quickly we're going to talk about the wine we're drinking we are drinking the renner sisters they are two sisters that are in austria that do all organic family super old family uh state and this is called waiting for tom and it's mostly blau frankish but uh this is the wine we're drinking and i thought of you because it's so like off the grid interesting uh two crazy uh women who had a dream and a passion who made this happen like you make your stuff happen uh, nice. So uh, and you saw when I tasted it, and I yeah, it yeah. Like, ooh, that's yeah, good. That's, that's good wine. <laughs> that's absolutely good wine. Uh, I got to tell you, so I'm, I'm I'm dying to get to the um, uh, the opening of your restaurant, in 2008. So I was at market, and yeah. that was when I realized, you know what, I got to go back to, you know, uh, we'll call it fine dining or mm-hmm. plated food. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I started meeting, having like, quote unquote, secret meetings with my now business partner, Chris Blumlow. And the first time I walked into uh, the space, which is now Restaurant Mark Forgio, and I, I walked up the steps and like, it was like, literally like, you know, whether you believe in this hocus pocus stuff, it was just like, a, I mean, I, yeah, it, I like, totally believe it. Yeah. it just took, oh, I, I just couldn't believe it. it was the first space I looked at. <laughs> oh, it's on Reed Street. On Reed Street, yeah. 134 Reed Street, and yeah. the second I walked up the steps, it doesn't look anything like it does now, but mm-hmm. it was just like an out-of-body experience, and I sat outside and had a glass of wine with this guy, and I was like, well, I'm, you know, I know I'm probably like, you know, messing everything up right now, but just tell me what you want, because I want this restaurant. <laughs> I, was, wow. I was 20, yeah. 28 years old. <laughs> I had zero dollars yeah. in the bank account, uh-huh. literally zero, Right. Um, and... You know, uh, we, we made it happen. I raised money from friends, families, going to people's apartments, literally cooking, asking them to bring their checkbooks to the dinners. And yeah. 20,000 cool here, 10,000 there. Yeah. 31 investors later. All right. It's the original GoFundMe <laughs> uh, shit, right? Like, but like, uh, and, and we opened this restaurant and, you know, there's a good amount of hype and, you know, we do okay for the first summer and then... Going back to what I said before, I probably wasn't necessarily ready to do it, I think, blah, 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 but I did it anyway, didn't drown. And then, yep. you know, we have the, the, the financial crisis, 2008, 2009. I remember. I, remember. I mean, that was, uh, you know, you can, you can combine every bad experience I ever had in my life or rough experience together, mm-hmm. and it doesn't even come close to what, you know, that year was. I mean, it was... I, I, so I remember... Um, I remember going into the restaurant many times. You're around the corner of my office. And like eight of us were at the communal table, and we, we had this meal. And there wasn't a lot of like communal food. And I walked out, and it was kind of expensive. And, and you were there, and you were like, how, how, how was everything? And I said, I wish there was more stuff we could have shared. And I had shared my real honest opinion. Mm-hmm. And I walked out, and I'm thinking, I'm sure that chef's going to be like, fuck him. What the hell does he know? But it was actually the opposite. Like the next time I came in, 
you were incredibly warm and like we chatted about food again and um and i expected the 100 percent opposite like mm-hmm. this guy should not be telling me what the fuck to do in my restaurant and it was just honest opinion it was not critique it was yeah. just like hey i was thinking maybe if we're gonna do this and we spent 700 bucks maybe we could do something we could share easier than the porchetta and you were like okay all right cool and uh, i gotta say your team uh matt conway's your wine director's been with you went through the fire with you and his yeah, man. We talked about his OCD for wine is similar to what you do with food, and he's still there and part of that proud shit. But, like, you were in the deep shit. It was insane. You were in the deep shit. It was right. I mean, listen, anybody that survived that as a restaurateur, or, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's hard to even put into words. But, like, you know, we went from 120 covers a night to 20. Yeah. We went from, you know, 60 employees to 10. Right. Like, employees, yeah. total. <laughs> it's like it's like three people in the kitchen. Yeah. I mean, washing. Di- I you know I wash dishes. I mean, right. I, I cook the dinner and wash the dishes. I mean, like, and this is not like I'm trying to play the violin. Like, no. I'm, I'm literally just telling you how it was. You know, I I like I said, I was there. I saw it. I felt fucking bad. I'm like, yeah, I was, was shipping you guys three and four bottles of crazy. wine. Yes, we were buying wine by the bottle. By the bottle, by and the bottle. I was like praying you guys would make it because I was like, holy shit, it's such a great it spot was crazy. and space, and it was crazy. and then. Then something happens. What happens? It's the is it the Iron Chef? I mean, it was, no, it was, it was a what was the turning? It was a combination, I think, of everything. I mean, uh, you know, the the whole time that this is all going on, everybody's telling me to serve burgers and fries and just and, turn it into yeah. a place where people can come in to eat because that's what people need right now. People need cheap food, and I was like, I just can't do it. I'm sorry. Like, uh, you know, I worked my whole life to have my own restaurant. I I can't just turn this into. You know, uh, a diner. I'm sorry. Like, I'd rather, I'd rather close. Good for you. Do you know what this parallels perfectly? <laughs> you ever see Big Night? Which one's Big Night? Big Night is uh, Stanley Tucci. Oh yeah, of course. There's yeah, a great yeah, moment yeah. where he's the front of the house guy, and there's brothers, and there's chef, and the, and there's a restaurant across the street, and they're serving lasagna and classic American Italian kind of bullshit food, and they have four covers, and he's looking across the street, and they are packed, and he's sitting at the table with his brother, and he says to him. He goes, is there any chance we could change the menu a little bit? We could maybe uh, do... Uh... And the brother goes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I know exactly what you thought. Maybe we could serve a... Oh, I can't think of the word. Maybe we could serve a... The hot dog. Maybe we do the hot dog. And it's like, I swear I had that meeting. I I swear I had that meeting. Well, this is what we're talking about right fucking now, right? And And I was like, like, I can't do it. I'm sorry. Like, you know... Um, so then what I'm like it But because turned, the reason right? I'm bringing this up is yeah. because because we didn't do that. Right. You know, that was why we got the Michelin star right. and you know, the Michelin star didn't solve anything, but it was just like after a year and a half of just absolutely being punched in the stomach like repeatedly like we couldn't even afford to have somebody take the garbage out on Sunday. Like I had to like come in and like, I mean, it was like it, it was crazy. Right. Um and then we get this star, and it was just like, you know what? Like, I don't even know if this place is going to make it, but fuck. Like, Validation. Thank you. Validation. Like, you know what I mean? Right, and, yeah. you know, most people don't know this, but the restaurant was about to be sold. Hmm. Uh, yeah. It was going to be turned into a, a Mermaid Inn. I had, you know, I found out that Monday that we got the Michelin star, he was, we were supposed to, like, have a contract written up on Wednesday or Thursday of that week. It's like a crazy Hollywood story that when I tell it, people are like, fuck you. I'm like, I'm telling you. <laughs> this like, just in as a letter from the governor. <laughs> yeah. right. It was yeah. nuts. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I got the star and like I called Danny. I was like, dude, you know, I mean, I don't know if we're going to make it, but I can't sell you my restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I just got a Michelin star. Like, I can't, yeah. I can't do it. Right. You know what I mean? Anyway, so, so the, the star helped, but it didn't like solve anything, mm-hmm. but it helped. And then, you know, to answer your question, like, was it the TV? So then, you know, like three or four months in, I mean, again, it's just, there's so many long stories that I, I try to make short, but like I kicked this guy out from, I kicked, the, I kicked somebody out of the restaurant. Turned out the guy I kicked out was a, a writer for the New York Times, not a food writer, but a writer. Okay. And because I kicked him out, he wrote an article about it. It turned into like this like stupid thing, viral, whatever you want to call it. And then, but every time they talked about it, they were like Michelin star restaurant <laughs> oh. down in Tribeca. Larry Forgione's son yeah. kicks this guy out. And it was right. just like, oh, oh, yeah, I remember that. Like, what happened to them? Didn't they close during the recession? Like, right. literally, it was like, and then all of a sudden it was like, 
this, this like, like, thing. Let's like, yeah, let's yeah like boom, good. boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom, boom. Right. You know, people started to come down, like, you know, yell at me, kick me out. And I was like, <laughs> no, I'm, I'll cook dinner for you. I'm not going to kick you out. Um, you know, and then this thing, and it was like starting to catch fire. And it was almost like a reopening. And it right. was just as the recession was kind of ending. And right. like, oh, here we go. It's starting to get a little traction. And then because of all that... The, the Food Network calls and was like, you know, and, you know, I'm not a huge TV fan, food sure. TV fan, yeah. as we were just talking about before. Right. Like, you know, I said no to a bunch of things before Iron Chef. And, um, but I always, I always admire Iron Chef. I always admire, sure. you know, the old school Japanese one. I used to watch when I was a kid. And watching the first Next Iron Chef, like, you know, I was like, you know, I thought it was really cool. I, you know, I thought Michael Simon did like great. And I was like, you know, you know, not that I would ever get the chance, but like if if I ever got the chance, I would I would do that. Like sure. that, looks, that looks like so much fun, is right. what I said. Mm-hmm. Looks like so much fun. I get a call and it's like, hey, this is, this is the Food Network. Like we're doing Next Iron Chef. You know, we've got one spot left. Like you're on a short list. Like you know, blah blah blah. blah. Tell me your whole story. You have 20 minutes. Go. And I was like, what? <laughs> and they're like, let's go. This is an interview. And like, wow. I, I'm not even joking. Like I laid down on the banquette and like put my feet up and I was like. It was like therapy. I was like, where do you want to start? Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> Got on, obviously. Rest is history, obviously. Um, so winning Iron Chef. Actually, did you win it a couple times? No, so I, never mind winning Iron Chef. I won the next Iron Chef. Okay. And became Iron Chef Mark Forgione, which nice. like, still saying that out loud yeah. is just weird. But, <laughs> um, but it wasn't just that. So it was, it was the week of October 5th, 2010. Mm-hmm. Monday... You know, we, we got our Michelin star again, whatever it was, the third year, I can't remember. Um, and then uh, Tuesday, I got rising star chefs right. from star chefs. And then Wednesday, finally, after two and a half years, our New York Times review finally comes out. Right. And it was a two star, but it was like one of those, like, this is the best restaurant in Tribeca kind of two stars. Like, I'd love to give it three, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's like a rock and roll kind of fun crazy place yeah there's no table closet right yeah, yeah. which right. You know, I agree with yeah um, and he stated that and then you know Friday uh, something else happened I can't remember what it was but and then that Sunday was the premiere of the next Iron Chef so all this happened from Monday to Sunday right seven days fuck and we've never been slow ever since right yeah, a lot happens in seven days. And they, Literally. Didn't they make the world in seven days? And <laughs> biblical, like, it's crazy. Your no, world, but you know, we, yeah. before that week, like, you know, we were busy, but it was like, it wasn't like set in stone that we were busy. And right. now, like I said, from then on, it was like, it's you want to eat there from seven to nine? It's not possible. It's, like, it's, and, yeah. it's, uh, it's packed. Um, let's, let's talk about Iron Chef for just a, a few minutes. Uh, the, um, the idea... The biggest thing I like about the Iron Chef, and you can fill me in because you were there, is the chefs are, chefs are, uh, they're not the chef that just kind of walk around and somebody plates something and you look at it and you go, yes, and you put the parsley on. Like uh, uh, the Iron Chef, that's a dude who works the line. That's a guy who's like, on the show, you're looking like these guys are cooking. Mm -hmm. They are real deal. They're not the bullshit chef that you see walking around restaurants that aren't cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I like about it. So what's it like for you to, to do that? Did you have, like, holy shit, the full court press is on me right now to do this? I mean, what kind of pressure was that? I mean, honestly, next Iron Chef was the hardest thing. Right. You know, like, Iron Chef is hard. Don't get me wrong. Because the creative energy. But you have two, you have two right. sous chefs when you're doing Iron Chef. Like, right. the next Iron Chef was me against nine other great chefs. Yeah. There was no, no sous chefs. <laughs> like, it was so like... doing everything. I mean, yeah. everything. So, I mean, that was like an out-of-body experience that unless you were there and like, you know, like I'm still friends with those guys and, and the ladies that were on that show. And like, it was nuts, man. It, it was three months of like mental warfare. I mean, it, it was insane. The, the energy... Insane. The, the, the creative energy to constantly just be thinking, how am I going to do something different? How am I going to do better? I'm competing against eight other yeah. superstar chefs. Like, what am I, what am I doing? It's got but I'll give incredible. you a quick... Yeah. A, 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 another quick, like, aha moment. Okay. <laughs> you know, when I first got on there, I was like, ah, oh, this will just help me get butts in seats. You know, then, right. I, got, then yeah. I got to, like, the last four, and I was like, like, whoa. Yeah, and that and I, I was just like a kid with my head down, like running around. Yeah. Like I, I looked up, there's only four left. I was like, whoa. 
And then when it got to two left. <laughs> yeah. So who was the last? Who was it, was, you and- it was myself against Marco Canora. Right. Which him and I became like best friends yeah. on the show too. And where's Marco Canora? I know the name. Hearth. 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 Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he's listen. I mean, I'll, I'll, he's like technically like you know he's he's a much better chef than I am. I'll, mm-hmm. You'll never hear me say different. Like right. Um, but there was an aha moment that I had in the final battle where, like, I I, I just kind of looked around and it was battle Thanksgiving, which. Right. You know, I have kind of like a, I've, uh, I have like an affinity for Native Americans and mm-hmm. like their culture and like I feel so bad for them and like you know mm-hmm. it, it's something that's not talked about enough and like, sure. you know like they they should have a whole entire state funding and like that should just be there like whatever right. that could be another podcast sure, but I've always been that way. My parents took me to powwows and like you know I I, I sit in on you know sweat lodges and you know ceremonies and vision quests and you know like I, I and and. Here I am. I'm given the keys to be on a national platform to to do th- Battle Thanksgiving, and it's my opportunity to to honor the Native Americans and and like I didn't cook what wow. you know what Americans eat at Thanksgiving, which is right. you know the turkey and the mashed potatoes, and right. because that's not what they ate at the first Thanksgiving. And like you know the first Thanksgiving they ate duck and oysters and you know lobster and Mm -hmm. cornmeal and and it was literally like again it's hard to explain maybe you know it's like you know like an athlete being in the zone like it it was like I was cooking and like it was like it was easy right it was like it wasn't a doubt like you know what I mean I just put this food in front of them and like I was like whether I win or not like that was what I wanted to do. Wow, that's awesome. That's yeah. the statement. It was right? wild. Yeah, it was wild. Um, it was wild. It obviously resonated, right? Yeah. And did you pitch this kind of feeling when you were describing it? Because I didn't see it. Like about this is what they would have cooked, or it just kind of yeah. No, I, I I called it the Harvest Festival 1621, and like you oh, know, sure. and I, and the funny thing is, is like I I asked, I'm not going to say the names, but I asked mm-hmm. two people going into it, do you think this is a good idea? <laughs> by the way i know you were saying fuck you even if they didn't agree with you no, but, but they both but, told me i was out of my mind yeah and then if you go back and watch the tape i'm sure you can find it yeah you know bobby flay was like the guest judge for yeah. the thing and you know bobby's been an eye and shut since sure. yeah and you know he, he he finishes i think the last bite of something like he just looks up at me and he's like he's like mark you know i gotta ask you man like this is this is uh, the final of the next Iron Chef. Like there's, there's two guys going at it right now. Like one guy's life is going to be changed like forever, like forever. Right. right. And you know you grew up Larry Fortune's son, like you know the Godfather of American cuisine. And this is Thanksgiving. It's like the most American holiday yeah. that we have. And you don't cook turkey. And like he and, I, and literally I was like. <clears throat> And he goes, and he like does like a dramatic pause, and he's like, you know, you, you didn't need to, like. And I, but but that moment where he said that, you you watch me on camera, I go, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's so fucking awesome. That but is. but for a while it was like you didn't cook turkey and Thanksgiving, yeah. and like you know, and you said it a couple times describing me, like, you know, yeah. like it's just it's, I kind of. I always have. I've kind of danced to my own beat. You know? So um, we're going to talk about your menu for a second because it just kind of kill, still um, kills me. Uh, um, I was in with, I brought uh, some, like super star you know, restaurant person with me. And uh, to finish the meal that we had that just blew us away. It's the best halibut I've ever had in my entire life. The, the oysters, everything just blows me away. You finished with the egg. <laughs> And uh, uh, so I'm going to describe it, then you're going to fill in some of the details. Sure. But you did tell me this, and now it's your, your, your chance to refute and go, no, I never said that. Uh, <laughs> but it comes out, it looks exactly like an egg. It's a dessert. And it uh, looks like straw, and it's, I forget what it is. It's fried wheat or something, but it's beautiful. And it cracks, and it's passion fruit. And it looks 
exactly like an egg that's been cracked and no yellow fluid flows over this straw and it's unbelievable how great it is and i was blown away by it you came by we chatted a little bit and i'm like how the fuck do you even come up with this shit and you said that you were at a lodge or a retreat and you had a buzz or you were you did ayahuasca i don't know what it was you stepped on an egg and you felt bad and later you felt this is the way to repay the universe or repay this era of uh, crushing the egg. Is that like... Yeah, like, I mean, more or less. Like, I, don't, I don't know if it was to repay, but or I, was, some kind of I, was, I was walking around yeah. the, the, the farm right. after, after a, a really visual experience mm-hmm. and it was sunrise and I was by myself and I was barefoot mm-hmm. and I was walking around this farm and I stepped on an egg where like you could still see the chickens. Like the chickens were right there. Right. And, you know, I just... Like you said, I felt bad. Like I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, and I'm sure that was, mm. you know, some of the left residuals from my experience. But mm. you know, I just you know, like I kind of looked down and like I picked it up. And, like this could have been life, and like I felt yeah. bad. And like, um, I mean, it, I don't know. It was like six months later. And again, people don't believe me when I tell these stories, but it's the truth. It was like six months later. And like at that moment, I wasn't like, oh my God, I need to create a dessert to, to do it. Right. But six months later, I had a dream. And you can ask any of my old chefs or any of my current chefs that I usually start ideas for a dish with, you know, I had a dream or I had a vision. Mm-hmm. Um, but I woke up at like five in the morning. And like I woke up my wife and I was, <laughs> I was <laughs> got this idea. I was like, <laughs> what if we took passion fruit sorbet and we encase it in white chocolate and then cracked it it would look exactly like the egg that i stepped on and she was like what the fuck are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) i'm going back to sleep you need to get a notebook (laughs) (laughs) and anyway so you know i came in talked to my pastry chef at the time and you know we, we came up with this idea and then you know, I think when we cracked the first one, I was like, yeah, but we need to also make um, straw and dirt. Yeah. Uh, you know, and like, yeah, and that, that's where the whole, the whole thing so came from. So I was there last week with my wife, and it wasn't on the menu. I asked for it, and they said, sure, because you only yeah, we always have them. Right? We always have them. But yeah. it's just like mind-blowing. And then you have like... And it uh, tastes so good. Oh, fucking A, it tastes so good. <laughs> Never mind that. Are like, you, you know as well as I do. Sometimes you go to restaurants, and yeah. like, there's something cheeky, and you're like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. But... I, you know, and, and no. I'll give her name is Tara Glick. Like I'll give her all the credit uh, for making it taste so good. The, yeah. the original one, like, I mean, you it, know, it's when I tasted it, I just looked at her and I was like, you know, it, mic, it, mic drop. It, it's not a parlor trick. Yeah, it's a it's fucking delicious. real dessert. I, uh, um, and then you have like uh, uh, Laotian sushi, which is Laos is landlocked. <laughs> so there's there's some irony there. So like, what's that? Like, where is that? Well, the Laotian sushi is, is yeah. a, a, a poke at my, my good friend who's the chef owner of Kyo. Yes. Um, you know, him and I have worked on and off together for 20 years. Are you his partner? You, you help yeah, me get that I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a right. partner in yeah. Kyo, yeah. yeah. Um, but I have nothing to do with the food. I want to make sure it's very clear. Yeah. It's all, it's all yeah. him. Um, but, you know, we were, were having a few drinks one night, and I was like, you know, like, wouldn't it be cool to, like, do a play on, like, sushi? And, like, mm-hmm. you know, we could do, like, Laotian flavors, like, you know, bang, bang, and, like, rice. Yeah. Da, 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 da. I was like, at the end of the day, fish and, and rice is sushi. And he's like, yo, you're, you're fucking racist, bro. And I'm like, what, <laughs> what? do you mean? <laughs> he's like, we don't eat sushi in Laos. I was like, well, don't you eat fish with rice? And he's like, yeah, but we don't call it sushi. That's Japanese. I was like... I understand that, but most people, when you know the, they see the word sushi, they understand right. that that's fish and rice. That's right. all I mean by that. Yeah. So that's yeah. And it was this was an idea for Kyo. It wasn't an idea for Forge. Right. Yeah. So I was like, all right. So the next day, I made you know what is now Laotian sushi, right. and we didn't put it on the menu. It was just a special. Like, hey, we're serving Laotian sushi. We served like thirty orders. Yeah. It's fucking and great. the crunchiness of the rice. Yeah. The crazy part of that. Too. And. You know, so then as I literally, and, you know, he could probably argue me on this. I'm pretty sure I called him and I was mm-hmm. like, dude, I just sold 30 orders of this thing. Like, you should serve it at Q. And he's like, fuck you, you racist. And like, like <laughs> <laughs> so then like, as, and he's, he's tongue in cheek. He's not like serious. Actually, it's the next day. Racist sushi. That's the name of the dish. Well, okay. Could have been, but right. I feel yeah. like that was like asking for it. Yeah. Too much dialogue. So right. then as a joke, yeah. I put Laotian sushi on the menu 
And then, you know, like, you know, Ford, you've been to Ford's. Like, I yeah. change the menu all the time. Yeah. So then, you know, I took it off. And I always know that I have one of those dishes that can't come off when um, people come back and not only ask for it, but get mad when we tell them that it's not on anymore. And yeah. it's only happened with five or six dishes, which are all yeah. still on there. Um, but we had, you know, I usually give it, I have like a number, like if like 10 people come back and ask for it within the first week of it coming off. Oh. Then we'll put it on, and so that what, was it. what's next for you? Um, I, I I believe like what's crazy about you is that it's just not how great the food. It's the creativity that we're talking about. So you do a lot of meditation. You probably uh, you do do ayahuasca. Do you do? Have you read uh, Michael Pollan's book? Uh, if you want to change your mind about psilocybin and creativity and all that stuff. I haven't. That, that sounds interesting. Yeah. I've heard of it. You I've should. You it. should. You should check it out. It sounds like you do it naturally. Like you've. Yeah, I mean, I I, like, I was. You know, I was, <clears throat> I mean, again, this is probably for another podcast, but mm. I was like, I was, I'm going to use the word kind of tormented or um, haunted. Mm. I had, I had like a, like a, uh, an entity or like a ghost on mm. me. Mm. Um, and I, I just couldn't understand like why it's hard to explain again. It's a, it's a longer story, but because of that, I started to go to ceremonies to try to figure it out because I thought I was possessed I didn't know what was going on huh. and it, it was bad I was like getting scratch marks on me it was bad like a like voices kind of thing or uh, visuals voices Visual. like I said wow. actual physical like wow. try to imagine waking up and seeing somebody right there and they're like, like it was like out of a movie wow um, okay. but anyway so I started to go to these search for help I guess is the best way to describe sure. it and then I met this you know amazing group of people that mm. you know some were taking ayahuasca some were Native American, but it was all for ceremony. Mm -hmm. um, and it really helped, you know, I think at the time, like most chefs, I was drinking a lot and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it was hard times and sure. you know what I mean? Like yeah. going through the motions and, you know, uh, working hard, working hard, playing hard. Yeah, best way to describe it, it. Yeah, it's a lot of stress. A lot of stress. How do you, how do you alleviate stress? Um, some and, kind of medication. Right. Alcohol, <laughs> weed, whatever. It helps um, it. Uh, but it sounds like uh, you know it's your creativity that makes you who you are. I mean, that, you're, you're an amazing guitar player. You came here and you played like <laughs> I, I was. I should have just recorded you playing uh, to open uh, uh, the podcast. But uh, you're, you seem like you're pretty brilliant. Maybe yeah, I've, I've always been one of those people that needs to be doing something. I don't yeah. know. It's hard to explain, but like you know, it just needs to be doing something. And um, you know, I got into you know to answer your question with the meditation and the and the, the ayahuasca and all that kind of stuff. It, it, it was more to try to help cleanse or get rid of whatever this entity was and what it ended up doing was I got rid of the entity mm -hmm. but then it also opened up and manifested into something creative and, yes. and, and into and beautiful what you love and beautiful food yeah. right um, and food has always been my escape even when I was younger that's what I'm saying like mm -hmm. going back to I'm not making it up when I yeah. say people used to come to my dorm room <laughs> right and I used to make them ramen yeah. because I had condiments Right. that nobody else had as an yeah. 18-year-old little hippie dude with dreadlocks. And I was like, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, man, I think we can mix, like, the red pepper jam with uh, the fig chutney. Trust me, man. <laughs> Try, just a little soy sauce. Come here. Eat that, bro. Yeah, yeah. And, like, the, the magic happens. You're like a talisman. You had this bag of, like, like And that made jam, me happy. Right? Yeah. It literally made me happy. Yeah. Doing hot pot ramen, yeah. making it taste better than... The stuff that was just in the pack. And I was saying, you, we always are on a journey to figure out what makes us happy, and we should continue on that road because, Amen, yeah. you know, that's what's going to do it. Um, so, tell me some restaurants you'd love to eat in New York City. Um, like, under under the radar, I always like to leave people going, yeah, like, oh, I should check sure. this out. I should check um, that out. I lived on I lived on Mulberry Street mm -hmm. for. You know, ten years. I, I live in Chelsea now, but I lived on Mulberry and Grand for 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 ten years. So a lot of the restaurants that like I fell in love with were were in that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you had you had La Esquina, you had Cafe Select, which is nobody ever talks about Cafe Select, but Cafe Select is good. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a great, the the best potato roasty in New York City. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you yeah. right now. Um, Boz Bagel. I don't know if you ever heard of Boz Bagel. No. Uh -uh. So good, yeah. Um, I know Pasquale Jones is now like they've they've gotten their yeah. th their fame, but like yeah. you know, I, I think I was probably one of the Still. first people to eat there, man. I mean, it was it was killer. Yeah. Uh, peasant, 
I think they're closing. I heard. Uh, I heard. Uh, um, and then... Favorite ramen place? Yeah, one. I don't. I don't uh, have a favorite sushi. ramen place. I used to have a... And I'm not making this up. My, my favorite pho, because I love pho. Uh. And this, I, this, I literally why I miss my old neighborhood. But um, there was literally a place just called pho. Huh. <laughs> I think it was on Mott Street. I couldn't even tell you what street it was on. I just right. knew how to get there. Okay. But you just walked in. You didn't want to touch anything. So it was like a little seedy. But the pho was, was legit. Okay. Um, and De Palo's down there. DePaulo's. How do you not love DePaulo's, oh, man? God, I mean, those guys are amazing. Yeah. So uh, my DePaulo story is uh, I, I used to go there and wait in line forever to get uh, you know, whatever the meats, the cheeses, whatever, right? And there was a friend of mine was there one day. It was around Thanksgiving. That's when the line gets crazy. A guy uh, keeled over and fell down on the floor. The ambulance came the EMTs and he wouldn't get out of fucking line because he's like no way I'm not giving up my fucking space I want my parma like he did not leave they're like sir we really get nope I'm not getting out of line <laughs> they stayed with him until he got That's his good. food and then put it in an ambulance That's what you love about New York City though this um, I feel like I should give like some, some like lesser I mean kind of a stupid secret about me but I love Grace Papaya Grace Papaya is real good. Love. I love yeah. Grace Papaya. With yeah. onions, I mean. Yeah. Um, pizza, like before, like in my opinion, like the pizza craze took over. Um, you know, not including New York City pizza by the slice, which, right. again, I mean, the, the little place over here, I don't care. Nobody yeah. knows the name of it. I yeah. think it's great. Um, but uh, Luzo's. I love Luzo's on Atlantic Village, Avenue yeah. and in East Village. Yeah, East Fantastic. Village, real little Italian guys um, run their joint like tight wood-fired pizza. It's great. Yeah, you're not like waiting some ridiculous line. Uh, falafel, I love Nishnush. Nishnush. Yeah, of course. Nishnush. Nishnush right great. here. That's great. Like, that's a great little great. like quick grab-and-go place. It's fucking delicious. My my old favorite sushi, and, and I hate to talk bad, but it's not anymore, but the old Ushiwakamoru hmm. used to be on Houston. And, and you used to walk down and you literally felt like you were going into Japan but they moved and it just, it's just not the same yeah. uh, so what's what's going on for you now uh, <clears throat> project wise on the front I got um, a lot of stuff coming in 2020 um, we're opening Davi Day um, my dad's kind of coming out of retirement and we're gonna oh, we're gonna do an Italian wood burning grill wood burning oven where, restaurant where's that gonna be it's the old spice market space so that's gonna blow it up your dad coming out, I can imagine. It's going like to crazy. Field day with yeah. the press. And, it's been uh, crazy getting it off the ground, but it's it's a big boat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's so a big, it's a big plane. That, when does that cry? When does that open? We're hoping first quarter next year. Holy shit. Yeah. Man, um, that is just going to be super hype. Yeah. The two of you? Yeah, that's crazy. It's going to be like working with your dad again. I don't know. <laughs> I don't ask it's family. Me, ask me six months in. It's family, right? It's like those buttons get pushed. We'll see. It's crazy. Uh, I can't, I can't I have, imagine. I have, I uh, believe it or not, I have a restaurant in the new LaGuardia um, that's going to open. Okay. Um, and then I have two other things that I can't really talk about yet, but they're, they're, they should both be in 2020. Wow. So you are busy as all hell. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's funny. This was the first year that I didn't have any new openings in like five years because right. you know American Cup was like pretty much always opening one a year right. um, and it was just like a blessing to have my kid and yeah. just hang out with the that's kids that's going to inspire you I can't wait to see what oh, you come up great. with that oh, it was great I mean, food wise too oh yeah I, come up I with cook for like, him every day I was going to say you come up with your own baby food line I know it's I could see it there's going to be some crazy twist on it I right. would like to <laughs> you know what's funny you said yeah, that yeah I, you know, I, I put up something on Instagram the other day where, like, I, I'm, not, I'm not making this up. I made him beef cheek uh, bourguignon. <laughs> and he, yeah. he loved yeah. it. Right. And, like, somebody responded with, like, look, you know, all the other baby foods are pretty straightforward. Like, I bet you there's, like, a market for people that are like, you know what? I want my kid to like eat like a, like a foodie. I mean, quote unquote, we'll call it baby sure. foodie baby or something. I don't know. Oh, fuck. Somebody's going to steal you. Because right listen, there, at the end of the day, like if you can serve them, you know, pureed top round, like why sure. can't you serve them pureed beef cheeks? And all, also, do you see all those studies that just came out now? The, the amount of baby food that were like uh, you know, measured high for pesticides. Because I haven't, yeah, he's, it, it he's nine months out. old. Yeah. I haven't served them one prepared yeah. baby food yet. That's that's fucking cool. I, I can't believe you and your dad are going to open a place. That's the fucking hottest tip. 
Yeah, period. It's, it's going to be awesome. That's going to just blow Big it up. Big restaurant. It's all Spice Market. Yeah, yeah, Spice Market's huge. I don't know. There's 200 seats. Yeah. Sexy space. Yeah. And in the meatpacking district. Yeah. Um, cool. I, I want to thank uh, Mark so much. Uh, I got to tell you guys, uh, Forge is the go-to restaurant down in Tribeca. Uh, it's going to blow you away. Call. Um, it's an experience like... Uh, uh, it's just it's it's a uh, your own culinary quest. Uh, let let them let them know you heard the podcast. And let them get you know, to the table. There you go, and 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 see if you can order that egg. Uh, but I want to thank you, uh, Mark, so much for being uh, on the show. I appreciate Absolutely, it. man. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com. Until then, I'll see you at the bar. Mm-hmm.